what's up guys today is a very uh, awesome episode it's just an incredible opportunity to learn from an old friend of mine whom i grew up with uh went to school with the guy uh, we played optimist football together in the olden days and i've kind of you know followed his journey ever since then uh, we're going to be talking about you know drug addiction and recovery and bodybuilding and everything in between so this is going to be an opportunity to learn about his story and it might be triggering for some as we get deep into the conversation we're very candid about the conversation uh, about drugs so it might be triggering but i do encourage you guys to please listen and, and see how our guest has been able to overcome the addictions and the struggles that he is experiencing and has experienced in his life and i want to give a shout out to rip nutrition uh matt over at rip nutrition for you know he he's um you know working with our guest uh, as you know, Corbin is an ambassador for that uh, supplement store. And, you know, Matt has been super supportive of my show. Rip Nutrition has been, uh, you know, has been a sponsor of this podcast on a couple of episodes. And I want to give him a shout out and say thank you um, for everything that he's done. And I'm going to put the information in the description for Rip Nutrition. Uh, so you guys can go out there. It's in Boise. So if you live in the Boise area and you want to get some supplements, head over to Rip Nutrition. I'll have all of their information here in the description of this podcast, but it's kind of cool to have, you know, both our guest and Rip Nutrition who work closely together, you know, be involved with the Game Time Guru podcast. And so I just want to give a shout out to them as well. But again, you guys, this is a very special episode. Uh, a lot of you guys who listen to this, you might know me or you might know our guest because we're local here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. But even if you're not, if you're out there, I, this is going to be an awesome opportunity to hear about a recovery story and how bodybuilding has helped in that process. Get ready, because this is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. As you guys know, my name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Six and a half, almost seven years now. We're coming up on seven years of doing this podcast. Every week, we're interviewing a new guest. And um, this week is super, super special for me. As we kick off the month of September in 2023, you know, it's well, we'll call it an early birthday, or not an early, but this is a, a birthday present for our guest and myself. I go way back with this guy. Um, to the Optimus football days. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that too from the good old Meridian white football days. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have similar, his birthday is one day before mine, but um, yeah, we're, we're going to have a story of, of, of athletics, of bodybuilding, of recovery, um, everything in between. And so as you guys know, I said in the introduction, if there's going to be some topics that are pretty deep that we're going to be discussing, but I would encourage you guys, even if it is uh, quote unquote triggering, to still listen, uh, because I would encourage you guys to take notes and and hear the inspira inspiration behind this um, as we bring on Corbin Garner to the show to share his story. Corbin, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, Shane. Appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. So here's a funny story, Corbin. I'm going to rewind the clock back in the day. So when we were at Meridian White, it, you, you got to rewind the clock way back, right? So Meridian White, Optimist Football. We're talking if about you remember, dude, dude, it was it was a minute ago, but. <laughs> One thing I remembered, and the reason I even remembered when your birthday was, because you and I were chatting back and forth in our instant messaging and whatnot. <clears throat> the reason I knew when your birthday was my whole life was because of Optimus Football. Because on our birthday, or on your birthday, two years in a row, there was a dog pile that they would like make you run, and then there was a dog pile. <laughs> and and uh, you never got that, did you? Did I didn't get it because it was the day, like the day before they did the dog pile for you. And I remember there was one time where, like, I think you got hurt because, like, everybody just like piled up on you. And I was like, dude, I'm not fast. I was never, you were fast. And I was like, dude, I don't want them to do that. They forgot to do it for my birthday, which is always the next day. It was right. always your birthday uh, that got it. And I was like, dude, you, and you like, there's cupcakes that would be brought to practice right. and stuff. So I always knew your birthday was a day before mine. I thought it was funny. Um, Going back to the to the football days, though, do you have a memory of football? Because you you competed all through Optimus football and then all through high school and whatnot. And you guys were pretty successful. Um, is there a memory from football that uh, like just stands out to you still to this day that you enjoyed that you could you know share with anybody? Oh man, um, dude, from Optimus to high school to 
I found a league out here in Idaho, the ICFL, Idaho Contact Football League. And honestly, the biggest thing I can take from football is the brotherhood. Um, there's really no set time, no set moment, no set like just moment in football that I can really recall in the 20 plus years that I played, except for forming brotherhoods that you're not like blood brothers with. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate value right there. Like you have to trust the person next to you left, right behind. And then just, I mean, we have all had our glory moments, man, blocking puns, scoring touchdowns, getting the whole team piling up on you because you made a glory play, but that's just the game of the sport. It's how you conduct yourself as a human and a person outside of the, outside of the field. And honestly, it's the camaraderie, bro, the loyalty, everything that's built in football, you can take into the real life and apply it, and you will be successful, in my opinion. Heck yeah, dude. Hey, this is another thing you're going to be like, how do you even remember this? <laughs> we had a play in, in Optimus Football <clears throat> on Meridian White. You were our linebacker, so you'd always make the play call in the huddle, like Trey Slayton, who was one of the yeah, coaches. Yeah. So, no. Trey, Trey. Love Trey that, Lee. man. <laughs> so he would make the play call and there was one we had a blitz where it was like all three linebackers go everyone's going and you're leaving the corners and the safeties behind monster the monster dude it was six monster wildcat yeah that's what it was six monster wildcat and so yes, i remember sir. we didn't really call it very often because it was like pretty much all all oh, out <laughs> it was all out like and, and i remember there was one time in a game and uh the call came in and you came into the huddle and i was playing on the defensive line and you're like Six monster wildcat ready, Frank. And we just all got out there. We knew it. We had no choice but to get to the quarterback, and we did. We destroyed them in the backfield because it was just you were so hyped up because you knew like it was all out. Like we couldn't, can't miss it or else you're screwed. And so we got right. back there and we hit the quarterback. But I just remember how pumped you were. Six monster wildcat ready, Frank. And everyone's like, "Oh shoot, we're really doing this. Let's go." Uh, uh, right, uh, so goosebumps. I remember. <laughs> I did, I, yeah, there, those were the days. Like I said, like. It's the energy you bring onto the football field. It's not like what you do on the football field. It's who you are and what you bring. Yeah, dude. It, those are some good times, man. Yeah. Even as youngsters, dude. And for reference, just so everybody knows, Meridian White was arguably the best Optimus football team to ever come through, like, little league football. At least yeah. our – it was tw they were 28-1 and one for the course of four years. And, and we got scored on, I think, a total of four times. And Something three. to that effect. So the, our very first year of tackle – if you remember, we got scored on on an illegal play in the last play of, or the last game of the season. That was the only yeah. touchdown I got scored on us our yeah. our first year of tackle. Yeah, um, it was wild, dude. It was just we were just that so, and that, like that was that felt demoralizing, like letting up a touchdown versus like I, an actual loss. You're just like, what? What? Is, this is what it feels like to get scored on. What? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was so frustrating. We won like thirty six to six, if I'm not mistaken. We were talking about yeah. that. Me and somebody else, maybe it was Tanner Layton, and I chatted about that. But yeah, they scored on an illegal play. It was like a, a center sneak. The center like snapped to the quarterback. The quarterback kind of bobbled it. The quarterback yeah. grabbed it and put, went in. Um, it was stupid. Anyway, yeah. So we still beat the crap out of them. Went undefeated our, our first year. And uh, we were pissed because we gave up a touchdown. Anyway, good old days in the Optimus yeah. football days. And you also, like like we said, I mean, you went through the high school realm. And then you, you've even played in the semi-pro realm with the ICFL and whatnot. So you, you've had a lot of football experience. Uh, one thing that I've, you know, I, I never really got to talk to you about was the military experience. And I remember mm. coming back from my, my church mission. I was on a church mission for two years, came back and I was doing play-by-play -play announcing for Meridian high school for idahosports.com. And I remember there was a game and I, I could have sworn it was you and maybe uh Delulo yep. so two, two of you like drove around the track or something. Right. And I was like, Oh, Corbin had some military. So I want to ask you that too. After high school, talk to us about, the military experience and maybe a, a, some life lessons that you learned through that? Um, when, when I graduated high school, I uh, really, really, really tried to scholarship for football. Um, came from a family of five children, didn't really, was set up for college. So I was trying to find a way to get college paid for. Um, I was a late bloomer, so I never got picked up by anybody or anything like that. So I thought military would be the best way to go. Um, Let's just say uh, I was pretty out of control. Um, 18 year old, arrogant. I was just doing whatever I want, did whatever I want, didn't care. Nobody was telling me no. <laughs> um, I wasn't breaking the law, but I was just arrogant um, until 
I got straightened up and humbled in the military, in the Army. Um, and just like I was talking about football, the Army is very brotherhood, very camaraderie. You have to trust the dude next to you, behind you, in front of you, or else <laughs> it's not like you're going to lose a football game. You're going to die. Um, so you have to – it's almost – you have to grow up. you you got to stop being arrogant. you got to stop accepting – no for an answer and go with the flow and <clears throat> i can say that it, it matured me in a quick way um now i didn't get to serve the full term of what i wanted to serve because i got medically discharged when i was i think halfway through my contract um we were my unit was um gearing up we were ramping up doing a bunch of training to go to deploy to iraq at the time and iraq was pretty bad when the back in 2011, I think it was. And um, I got injured while we were training ramp up to deploy. So when my unit left, I got left, I got, I got, I had to stay home with the rear detachment with all the injured folk. Now, because we were so over strength, they discharged me uh, because of my my injury. So I, my military experience wasn't um, honestly what I was hoping for. The best thing that I took from it was learning discipline, sacrifice, um, the hurry up and wait method. I mean, responsibility, agree you up, it taught you how to be a functioning adult. And that's what I honestly take away from it. Yeah, I got to shoot guns, I got to play, and I got to learn how to fight, and I got to learn how to defend myself. But that's just like I told like, like in football. I mean, we all have our glory moments. We all can shoot a perfect score. We all can do this. We all can do that. Now it's what you can do for the person next to you, what you can do to improve the person around you and make sure that we all succeed, you know? And those are yeah. things that I took away from the military as, as best as I could is that it's not just we're here to kill. We're here to keep each other alive. And yeah. we have, if, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's the loyalty, the the blood aspect, just everything about being being each other's person, and you have to trust each other. You know, it's interesting. I, I never served in the military. Um, I come from a military family. I've got a lot of respect for him because it's not for everybody. Um, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. it's not. It's never like. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of people who have a great experience in the military. It's provided a great livelihood for them. But there's a lot of people who say kind of similar to what you just said. It wasn't exactly what you were expecting or whatever, but it does teach you a lot of lessons. I like the concept of like doing something that's bigger than yourself. Um, you know, you're you're out there. It's no longer just about you. It's about people around you. So you need to like, you know, shaping up, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Like you got to be on point right. because it's not just you that it's affecting. It's affecting other people, which goes into, in my opinion, that just stems into life. That's things that sports can teach you too. It's like, stems into your life in a, in a marriage or whatever it may be in any kind of relationship, work relationships, whatever you gotta, it's not just about you anymore. It's about other people too. So pay attention to your actions kind of thing. So, you know, as you got back, Corbin, um, talk to me about your weightlifting journey. Cause this is where things kind of get interesting. Cause I remember and th these are all just random memories. Cause obviously being from the same town, same school, everything I've always been kind of, I know what's going on because of social media and stuff you've always been in the gym. Like since I remember coming home from my church mission, which was 2010, I remember just seeing you randomly at Axiom and you were training, you were still playing football at that time for the ICFL, if I'm not mistaken, and Correct. you're doing your thing, but like weightlifting became a pretty big deal for you. So I just want to kind of pick your brain on when did like weightlifting really become part of who you are? So, um, <laughs> that's a great question, bro. So, I know we're going to touch on my recovery and everything. And I want to kind of touch on that real fast is looking back on how my life started with weightlifting and everything. I've had a very addictive personality, very every, like once I find something I love, I stick with it. Or if it's rewarding or if it just pushes you or challenges you or just gives you that euphoric high, um, playing football when we were kids, I was always the smallest. Yeah. I wasn't like, yeah, I was the loudest and I tried to hit the hardest and everything. And I tried to keep everything from being the smallest, but I was these, one of the smallest players on our football field. Um, well, my mother who just became, um, an 80 County deputy sheriff felt it necessary to get big buff strong and be able to kick, kick ass and defend herself and take down whatever's necessary. So at age 13, 
she pulled me into the gym to get me a little bit bigger, buffer, stronger for the upcoming football season and everything like that. And then it kind of just, you know, it became an obsession. Um, I wouldn't say I got as serious as I am now um, up until about two years ago when I did start my drug recovery. Um, when I started my drug recovery, that's when I started taking all the aspects of life that bodybuilding isn't just lifting weights. That's that's kind of what the 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 idea and what it and like the bodybuilding world projects. But they're that's just like freaking twenty percent of what the actual deal is. You have your food, you have your cardio, you have your posing, you have your, your the the mental side of bodybuilding will will make you or break you. Um, learning how to so like going back on weightlifting. Um, I've always loved lifting weights because it gives you that satisfaction of your fair kai. I mean, you love what you see in the mirror. You love to be able to be like, hey, you see that pile of weights over there? Watch this. I'm going to go pick that up real fast. And then you do it. It's gratifying. Um, I like to challenge myself. If, if, if the situation is kind of too easy for me, I'll get bored. You know, it's not, it's not the that it's too easy. It's that it's just not, it's not challenging enough for me. Um, so when it comes to weightlifting, that's the ultimate challenge. You kind of challenge yourself over and over and over. And then like, if you get a good friend or if you get a good weightlifting buddy, that's when it becomes a lot more interesting because you guys push each other. And then like, no one will ever know everything about fitness or bodybuilding or anything because everybody's designed differently, but it all like, in my opinion, gives you the same satisfaction type of feeling when you finally see or feel the results. It's a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint, homie. Like that's what a lot of people don't understand is that once they get into the gym and they don't see results in four weeks, they give up, you know? Um, when I try to explain to people that when you get into the gym, it's because it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, you can't just be like, yeah, I go to the gym and I'm going to go party tonight or drink because everything that you just tried to do your body, you're actually going to do worse because when your body's thriving for those nutrients and your body's thriving to want to, you know, get better. And then you put some empty carbs, like a beer or something in your body and actually can regress versus progress you. So, um, I know I kind of got tropic when I got like hardcore into bodybuilding, but it's about two and a half years ago when I really got hardcore into every aspect of the bodybuilding. Now, uh, when I got out of high school, that's when I got a little bit more obsessive with it. Um, I wanted to be the biggest, hardest, just strongest person on that semi-pro football field. You know, I was 185 pounds soaking wet in high school playing defensive end. You think that was easy? <laughs> that was not easy going against guys about 100 pounds heavier than you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I took, I took kind of action and I got bigger, stronger, faster. And then I, that's when I started playing a lot better and harder hitting football. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, when I, when I got out of drug recovery or started drug recovery, I'll never be out of it. But when I started it, that's when I got extremely dialed in with bodybuilding. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty much consumed my life. Yeah, man. It's interesting. Uh, just thinking from my perspective, and I'm sure there's people who will listen to this and know who you are. Obviously, I got listeners that are local who probably know both of us. Um, it was interesting just kind of like, because I remember you were doing some modeling and stuff, because I just remember seeing, I'm like, dude, he's like going hardcore. You're, you're throwing up some crazy memories now. Yeah. Woo! yeah. I mean, there was, some, there was just, I mean, you were lifting a lot. That's all I remember. You were in the gym yeah. a lot at the time. And then there was the hiatus a little bit. I, I remember thinking like, man, I haven't really seen much of, of Corbin for a while. And then I came to find out what was going on through your posts specifically. And this is where, you know, the, the, the journey is interesting. This, and this is the part of the conversation that, you know, I've encouraged people at the beginning of the show. Okay. If it triggers you, cool. Like I'm, I apologize, but I'm going to ask you to still bear with us. Cause I think this is an inspiring story and it's something that we need to like get out there for other people who might be struggling. Um, at what point Corbin did, did drugs really start to, to take an impact? And when what, were you always experimenting with them? Or was this kind of like one of those things where you tried a hardcore drug and it and it snagged you? Like I kind of want to know so the people who are listening who might be able to relate can understand like where did this take over? Because you were so into fitness and so into football, and then all of a sudden it took a 180. It seemed like, <laughs> yeah. at least from the outside. 
Yeah. Um, so personally, I've always been a marijuana user. There's really nothing wrong with smoking pot or anything like that, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot better. We won't even get into that. So with that being said, um, I've never really experimented with anything except for like the local painkillers or or marijuana. Um, it wasn't until 2014 um, I moved to Oregon and I started a new position at my job when I was selling phones for AT&T. Um, I won't blame a certain human being, but I did take a female with me that made it extremely difficult to thrive out there. Um, I will blame her in the passing of my old dog, the owner of these little paw prints right here. <laughs> um, Eclipse was my dog from the age of 18 to 27. Um, he developed what I thought I developed, kennel, kennel cough. Um, so I had him treated for kennel cough two times, but lo and behold, what ended up happening was he developed lung cancer. And I didn't know that was like the most rarity form of cancer a dog can get, but at the point when I got him checked, um, he had like 25% of lung capacity between both lungs. So I made the decision to put him out, to put him down and out of his misery and just, he didn't need to suffer anymore. So that happened three days prior to me turning 27. Um, yeah. Happy birthday to me. That was pretty rough. Um, I was just slipping more and more and more depressed. Um, now, uh, let me backtrack two steps. Now, when I said I wasn't really experimenting with drugs except for marijuana and painkillers, let me retract something. I was I was wanting to try cocaine. Um, that was one thing that I just was like, "Hey, it seems fun. I'm an it's a, I'm a fast guy. I like to go fast, and it just looks like something I would want to try to do." So. About 18 months before my dog died, this girl and I did cocaine, what we thought was cocaine. And she was like, yeah, she, I got this, this sack for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really crystally. Maybe it's, I was so oblivious. I was like, maybe it's the most freaking purest form of coke. Who knows? So we did it. And the next day when I get home to my house, my little brother was watching a show on methamphetamine. And it was exactly what I did the night before. And I was like, cool. And I just, when I realized what I had done, I got really, 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 really sad about myself because that's not what I was wanting to do. So with that being said, I had a really good hold on myself. I wasn't addicted or anything like that. Yeah, it was fun, but I was really sad ultimately that I did meth. Um, so we're going to fast forward 18 months, never touched the shit, never did. I actually knew and found what cocaine really was. So I was actually like, cool. So now I know what I did. So I never touched any of the meth, nothing like that, um, up until the person that was buying my weed from, I was leaving to go to work downtown Boise to go bounce at one of the bars that we that's out here, and she messed up and showed me her little bubble pipe that she smokes meth out of. Um, I knew the feeling that dope gave me. I knew how happy and energetic and everything it did to me. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let me smoke that real fast. So I smoked it, took three giant hits. And what it did was it brought me from the ultimately depressed level that I was at to just like an even keel to where I felt like I could go and have a normal conversation with somebody and not be fucking sad. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to swear as much, bro. Um, so with that being said, that was the starting crutch of meth. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to go and just get high. You know, it was presented me in a unorthodox fashion. I was going to get marijuana. She accidentally showed me this pipe. I knew what it did. So I smoked it. So from there on to keep myself from being depressed, um, I would just, here's 20 bucks and use that for a week. I mean, it wasn't anything. I, I started with snorting it, and then I went to smoking it, and then I tried eating it, and then just every, trying it in every way you could possibly think of except for syringes. Um, but, um, yeah, after about a year and a half of using just smoking and tired of coughing up all the shit, someone 
showed me how to do how to be an IV user. Um, and that's when about 18, so I'll put it this way, 18 months of me smoking it, eating it and snorting it, I was able to keep up, up an appearance to where nobody knew. Not one motherfucker knew except sorry, not one person knew except for the people I was getting my meth from. Um, now, the 180 that you just talked about was when I started putting the syringe in my arm. Um, it's the quickest, easiest, fastest way. Because, I mean, I got I got giant pipes from bodybuilding my entire life to where that was actually the easiest, cleanest, and fastest way to do it. Um, now, um, I would, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard to say like when it really, really, really got bad, I would say, honestly, meth and sex coincide so well that I got addicted to meth hardcore when I found out what it did with sex. And when you're talking about the very beginning, when people are addicted to like porn or drugs or alcohol and stuff like that, um, porn and, and, and meth are the two things that I just couldn't get out of my life for the longest time. Um, they, they did definitely ran my life and it took a, there's, it took, it took a, it took a while to eliminate any sort of trigger to porn because even seeing like a, like on TV when they're advertising like bras or laced panties, homie, you'd be like, Oh crap. And then like all those memories will just start flooding in and you're just, you're just like, great. And you just want to pick up your phone and then like. Once that starts happening and like once you start watching porn on your phone, the next thing you want to do is get high because you want to enjoy watching that porn because being high, it just it makes it amazing. I don't know what it is, but it just like it just pulls you into that situation. And honestly, if I'm not high, I'm not watching porn. It's weird. But if I'm high, I want to watch porn or if I watch porn, I want to get high. Yeah, they coincide. So, man. So I'm I'm interested in this because it's uh it's interesting to hear the story from your perspective because again from the outsider's perspective, I would have never known like you were saying like people probably didn't know unless they knew you or knew what was going on, um, right. until you know the physical appearance started changing a little bit. Now you mentioned that you you started you know smoking it so that you could level up or level out a little bit so you actually felt like you can have a conversation and be normal. Was there any point there, Corbin, um, or was it when you started using in your arm where? you felt like, okay, maybe I'm addicted to this. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, they'll drink alcohol or they'll, they'll eat, you know, very, like they'll eat a lot of food, they'll binge eat and stuff. And and there's always, they, they almost like don't think that they're addicted. Cause it's like, oh no, that's not an addiction. I'm just doing it every once in a while. Was there ever a time where you felt like, man, I'm, I got a problem here. Or was it kind of just like, it became a way of life for you? Um, I'll, I'll let you know one tidbit on addiction or like uh, being an alcoholic or anything like that. Um, anybody that is in addiction will never tell you that they're addicted. Um, they will either tell you that they are just using seldomly or they're a functioning addict or or they're just, they, they can stop whenever they want. Um, bro, I was probably four years into my addiction before I was like, I have a problem. Because for the first year, I was just snorting it and I was just smoking it or I was just eating it. And you can only eat so much before it makes you want to fucking puke. You can only snort so much before it burns half of your fucking side. Sorry, half of the. Sorry, okay. Half of uh, your face off. Um, and you can only smoke so much, but like smoking it and eating it, you can only smoke so much before you want to start throwing up because you're just. It's just, it's so bitter sometimes. And if you burn it wrong or if you melt it wrong, it just, it's so nasty. And then if you freaking pull it too hard, you'll actually pull the liquid into your mouth that's solidified, torching hot because you're hitting it with a torch and then burn your shit out of your mouth with this poison. And then, you, dude, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't tell you how much, I don't really know how, I'm t- how I want to say this, like, I would sit there and pick at my fingernails. I would pick at my face. Like I have, I don't like, like it's very, it's been very, very, very recent that I'm actually able to have a clean shaved face. I usually like to have a little bit of furry on my face because I have a hole right here. 
And I oh. only I really, 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 really can see it, but a lot of people think it's like, oh, that's like just like a little dimple looking thing. I'm like, yeah, well, I know what it is, and I don't like the fact that you can see it because I fuck because I dug a hole into my freaking face. Um it was like <laughs> The smoking part and the eating it and the snorting it was probably the most nasty part of it all. Um, Being in addiction, you don't really know you're in addiction until you almost take a step back and see yourself as a third person and being like, oh, God, like, look at yourself and see what you're doing. You Sometimes that you're so caught up into what you're doing, you don't realize that you're an addict until you until it's too late and then you're just like and then you're depressed and then you're really sad and you're really just how did i let myself get here i mean i did it for six years i did it from when i turned 27 to shoot like 33 34 um towards the end i was it was really very seldomly i was getting high it was like every maybe seven to 20 excuse me I'd get high once every like seven to 21 days. Like, um, tell you what, homie dreams are what, what gets you. And when I try to get through those seven to 21 days and the dreams just won't let me sleep. And then I finally just go get high. It's kind of like a restart. Um, anybody will tell you that. Well, not anybody, almost any addict or recovering drug addict will tell you that. Yeah. You, we don't even, we will deny the fact that we're addicts. All the way up until the all the way up until the point that we realize we need help. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting, Corbin, because on the show I had a couple of guys. Max Hall was a former NFL quarterback who battled with addiction. Um, that's uh, that's a out in the open for the public to hear, and right. he talked about it. I had Mike Gibson, who was an NFL lineman, who after football, I mean, he, well, he, during football, he got addicted to painkillers, and then that stemmed into multiple problems after football. And right. he was through going through, and they said similar things, very similar. And so you're right. Like from what I've experienced talking to people who have been in recovery, um, it wasn't until like a breaking point happened. One of them was homeless. The other one got arrested and face was blasted all over the news and was going to face a divorce from his wife. And it was like when, when you hit rock bottom and even lower, that's yeah. kind of when it's, it, it hits you. Um, it's unfortunate that that has to happen, but I guess in your story, we'll hear some more about it, but it's a blessing because now mm-hmm. you're thriving. But I guess, uh, Corbin, when you, when you realized what, uh, well, what was the moment that you realized like, man, I do need help. Was there, was there a moment or did yeah. something happen in your life? Can you explain that? No, like watching people that I haven't seen in months see me for the first time, know that I'm actually sh- that knew that I was struggling look at me and then start crying um it was honestly the a bunch of that but i just one day i looked in the mirror and i just started bawling my eyes out and i was just i was tired of hurting physically emotionally mentally i was tired of just not being able to do a normal day's worth of work, bro. I mean, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't drinking water. I was very malnutrition. I went from weighing a 245-pound thick-ass bodybuilder down to 175 pounds. Now, wow. 175 pounds is not small. By all means, a six-foot-one, that's, 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 that's pretty good in my opinion. But it's skinny when you go from being 240. Oh yeah. That's 70 pounds, homie. And that's that's around 60 pounds that I lost. And that's like 60 pounds of muscle. And when I started to finally look at pictures of myself and not recognize who I not recognize that person, that's when I started to be like, okay, something's gotta change. I have something's gotta something has to just I have to do something. So um, it wasn't like, oh, a single sort of like eye-opening event that got me to finally open up my eyes and be like, you need to change. It was, a, it was an accumulated accumulation of losing family, friends. I was about to lose the, the, the roof that was over my head. Um, bro, like I was like, I was dancing with the devil 
and it wasn't it wasn't a fun dance anymore and when i finally looked in the mirror and i was tired of hurting i honestly found my therapist that i've been going to for the last two and a half years and my bodybuilding coach that i don't have anymore but i found bodybuilding in the same month of 2020. now what's crazy is 2020 was probably the worst year of 95 percent of the world's lives but i'm part of that five percent that it was the best year of my life because i found myself that's so cool that 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 right there is it's pretty cool how that works i mean i'm glad that 2020 was awesome for you and that's that's what i actually want to hear is like everybody talks about how bad the pandemic was and yada 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 it's like yeah a lot of people were impacted in a negative way but it's awesome to hear the good stories like people were impacted in a positive way that is awesome so you found your therapist corbin you you were introduced into the sport of bodybuilding with the, with the coach that you had got into the sport of bodybuilding and um did you end up going to a recovery center or did you kind of like just do this on your own as far as like cutting it out so at the beginning of the interview you know i told you that i don't really like to do anything that's not challenging yeah. um i like to challenge myself so that being said um when i witness recovery recovery okay so when i watch countless people that start recovery throughout the years that preach i found god god saved me good for you cool the church showed you a better life i understand that but when they they can't have a conversation about anything but god it i i i feel like that's the they're they're not really <laughs> they're not doing it for themselves um I did go to a couple of narcotic awareness NA meetings, but after the second one of watching people deal drugs at them, because 95% of those meetings people are going to, to do drugs or get drugs. It's what's the point. Um, I honestly did try to do rehab, um, having no insurance or money. Didn't really have any options except for when I served in the army. So I went down to Gowan Field and I wanted to see if there's anything that they could do for me that was in my contract when I served of, hey, just help me get into some rehab facility because I'm hurting. And it kind of sucked that the level of shame that I was presented on Gowan Field of these people that were like, oh, well, you didn't really serve because you were in the Army or you were in the National Guard or, oh, um, we can't help you here. Go somewhere else type of stuff. I'm like, I left. I left just and just crying bawling wanted to do nothing but go get high because it felt like no one cared no one wanted to help me so at that point i took it upon myself i somehow finally like i couldn't land a job for the longest time and i couldn't figure out why until i looked at myself and i'm like oh <laughs> oh no i no one want to no one would want to hire this ugly this just pathetic looking dude i mean I didn't realize for the longest time, like I said, you don't realize you're an addict and I couldn't realize why no one would hire me out of all these umpteenth amount of freaking jobs that I was interviewing for. No one would call me back because I was a freaking crackhead. So with that being said, um, after I got three jobs, um, I didn't give myself time to get high really. Now, as a, as, as a drug addict, you definitely will find time. <laughs> and I did yeah. from time to time. I would definitely like leave going home from one job and i would hey do you have any cool i'm on my way and i'd go and pick up real fast you know when there's a will there's a way and you will find out and so um through having those three jobs it was definitely keeping me busy and like i would go longer and longer without getting high and focus on my life and focus on this and that and this and that um but to be honest with you bro no rehab no na I did it. I, I looked in the mirror and I was tired of hurting and I did it all for myself. I was tired of talking the talk and I wanted to walk the walk. So I did things that definitely helped carve a new path of new, the new river of life, you know, the new path that I needed because I was going down such a shitty path for so long. <laughs> um, my bodybuilding and therapy are the, are like the two things that saved me. Um, I didn't do, yeah, I didn't do any rehab, any, any NA, any AA. I tried, but it wasn't for me. It just didn't work. Yeah. 
no, that's 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 awesome. Everyone's story is is unique in its own way, and sounds like for you that wasn't the path you needed to go. You needed to carve your own way out. So, you know, I want to I want I want to know this is I've never battled with drug addiction or anything of that nature. So I want to know f- from your experience what takes the place of it because obviously we know you get into bodybuilding, but like you said, as, as a, as a drug user, you will find a way to find a way to use it. So when you really made the decision to stop using what takes the place of that, how to, how to discuss that, walk that, walk me through that mental battle that you have to go through. Is there something that replaces that Do you find a way to replace that urge that you get? No. Um, I, um, I guess I'd, what happens to, to get you to stop <laughs> using and finding that will to, to try to that's, find it. That's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that, bro. Um, to be honest with you, Nothing ever takes that away. You always will be lingering, always will be wanting to get high. Um, now it's the tools that you learn. It's the longer you go in recovery, the, the, the more strength you build in your mental game and everything like that is what keeps you from getting high. Um, now, obviously, replace bodybuilding with with the with all the time and all the energy wasted of fucking getting of getting high. But the feeling of getting high, you can't replace that. <laughs> you can't replace that. Um, that's one thing I will always love about about that drug, about meth. I mean, we we as drug addicts, we wouldn't do it unless we loved it, bro. I mean, it makes you feel like you're on top of the world. You can, you can go run 10 miles and not even get tired. But it tears your soul apart. It does not benefit your body your physical your spiritual game dude it's just it, it, it's a killer it's not worth that 45 minutes of i'm gonna go do everything i want to do as hard as i can and then you're just crashed for a week that's not even fun anymore so honestly it was it it, it wasn't easy it's <laughs> um getting through the temptations the um the triggers the fiends the tastes the looking and seeing it everywhere that never goes away that never goes away you will always be challenged the dreams the dreams will get you harder than ever like bro i'm I'm almost i'm closer to two years into my drug recovery than i'm one year and i had a dream so intense six days ago that I actually, so like one thing when you, when you, when, when you inject something into your body, usually you can taste it coming up through your throat with meth. If you put it straight into your blood veins, it goes into your heart. Typically you get a cough, you cough and then you taste whatever bitterness there was behind it. Now in my dreams, I will turn my arm into hamburger meat all day. I'll wake up and be like, Oh shit. Thank God that was a dream because they're so vivid. But this dream I had last week, I actually coughed in it. And I've never done that. And I actually felt like I tasted it. And I can say for the last week, I've been triggered, homie. I've like, this is a, this is kind of like a good time to talk about it because I'm actually partially struggling right now. Like I will, I've, I've built myself, I mean, I've taught myself enough tools and everything to keep myself from thinking about it. But I'm thinking about it. Um, and when I say thinking about it, I'm thinking about getting high. Yeah. Um, that, that, that'll never go away, bro. Um, the, the sensations, the triggers, the everything behind it. Um, now, I do want to tell you a little story that actually very, 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 very recently happened to me on Saturday night. Um, I used to tell my therapist that if drugs were tangible, I'd do it. I mean, no matter... I, no matter how far I've been into my drug recovery, I told her if I can touch it, if it's in the same room, I'm probably going to do it. That's just how the ad, how the addict how the how the brain works. Now, it's easier not to do because out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm-hmm. Until Saturday, um, I leave work from my job and I'm heading up to um, Golden Corral over here. And as I'm turning left onto one of the roads to go go over there, Emerald. Um, I just see this guy pushing his car. Well, 
I'm the type of dude that has muscles and I like to help. I mean, I like to get out of my car and be like, let's push this mofo. As far as I knew, he was, he did the 12 steps rehab. He was even a sponsor. Like, I mean, he was doing better than I thought I could do. Until, long story short, after trying to push his car off to the side of the road, I couldn't get him to stop stopping the car or hitting the brake or putting it in a park. And then I'm like, bro, just get into my car. I'm going to take you up to a gas station. We're going to get you some gas because that's what he did. He said he ran out of gas. And then we're going to, and I'm going to let you do your thing when I go to dinner right here. So right when he gets into my car, he starts saying some incoherent stuff. And I just sell t- I just say to myself, God damn it. He's high. And then he's like, so, and I'm like, don't, don't fucking say it. Don't say it. He's like, so. I may or may not have a little something, something on me. And I look at him dead in the face and I'm coming up to Benjamin. This is a stoplight. It's a green light. And before we even get to the crosswalk, bro, I saw my car. I look at him. Get the fuck out. Really? Yeah. Get the fuck out, bro. Mike shouldn't have told me that. I'm like, I'm almost, I'm like, I'm closer to two years and I am one year of my drug, drug recovery. And you're presenting me with a fucking drug. I'm like, get the fuck out. He was like, okay. Yeah, you're right, bro. Well, I appreciate you taking me this far and everything. I'm like, well, I'm very disappointed in you. If I love you, homeboy, get the fuck out. And everybody that I told that to, they're like, damn, like you did that? They're like, I got chills just because you told me that. They're like, dude, I can't tell you how proud I am. Because probably eight months ago, I've been like, fuck yeah. Let's see some of this. Let's see what you got. No. I'm, I like my new life, homie. <laughs> I yeah. like being strong. See these trophies. These are fun. I mean, bodybuilding's fun and you can't do it when you're doing drugs. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. So yeah. Yeah, I got tested. The universe finally tested me. I've never, I've never like had that happen to me in the last 18 to 19 months, homie. Like, Hey, I might have a little something, something on me. Really? Okay. Well, get the fuck out. I don't care. Fucking idiot. I was so upset, bro. I was so upset. I almost threw up. I was so wound up. I got to dinner and I was like, ugh. I was so mad. But overall, I'm really happy that I, it's honestly, the universe was testing me, homie. It's wild though, man. It's it's a testament to the, the mental strength and the fortitude that you've built over the last 18 months. But that'll happen, man. That'll happen. Um and it's probably going to happen more and more. It's never going to stop. Just like you said, the addiction and the cravings will never stop. I'm sure there will be tests all the time. Probably harder than that one was um, right. at different points and different times. Maybe when you're stressed, um, life might be, you know, life's like a roller coaster. So maybe on those downsides, there might be times where you get tested. But it's cool to see that you're, you know, building that fortitude to be able to to reject that stuff, you know. Um from a bodybuilding perspective too, I want to get into this, Corbin, as you're, you know, you're in your recovery right now and, you know, almost to two years or closer to two years than you are to one from your recovery process. You know, the, the inspiring part is the, the bodybuilding. Cause just being around it my whole life. I mean, I worked at a company called bodybuilding.com. I worked at the headquarters there for five years and I was around the industry for so long, just like watching people. There is a lot, like you mentioned it earlier. There's there's obviously lifting weights, there's the food, there's the cardio, there's the posing. There's a lot of discipline required and, and people get like, they don't understand what it takes to be a bodybuilder. And um, it's a full-time job, homie. It's wild, man, what you guys have to do and what you guys, you know, the way that you work, the, the, the work ethic of a bodybuilder is insane on all levels. And so I want to talk about that. Like, what's your favorite part about bodybuilding right now? That's like, just gives you that, uh, euphoric feeling that you're that you're looking for honestly um <laughs> i sound so psychotic when i say this and i, I say it to my coach all the time because my new coach he'll make me hurt so bad but i laugh i laugh when i'm like when it hurts i laugh at pain and i love it i love the fact that i can push myself so hard that i'm like Sometimes I go past the point of numb to where, well, go past the point of pain where it goes numb. Um, bodybuilding is like the ultimate euphoric, just, okay, let's let's go beat up some weight because it's going to be back there tomorrow for me to beat it up again. I mean, iron is the only thing that will come back for you the next day if you need it. 
Um, I just absolutely love the burn. I just love the pain of being in the gym. It's it's weird, but I just if if I'm not on fire, then I'm not having fun. If I don't leave the gym and I'm not like I don't know, like if I'm not fatigued enough to barely open this door, or if I'm like not walking straight leg, and if I like bend my leg in any way, I'm going down because of legs, you know. Then I didn't get a good workout. But it's honestly like if, if it's uh, if it burns so bad that you can't feel your muscles anymore, that's what I love the most, homie. I mean, and then the results will come. You just don't pay attention to the results. Just pay attention to the weights and pay attention to making sure that you're doing your weights, you're doing your sets, you're doing your reps in a efficient way, not just getting them done. Um, getting your food, getting your sleep, getting your posing, getting your cardio. If you just focus on that and then you look in the mirror in a couple months, you'll be like, oh, God damn. Uh-huh. Look what I did. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, damn. And honestly, like when I'm in... Now, now I'll also circle back a little bit. Um, bodybuilding prep. As much as everybody hates prep, prepping for a show, 20 weeks of dieting, 20 weeks of nothing but egg whites, chicken, rice, and broccoli. I enjoy it. I enjoy having that structure, having every single day planned, every single meal planned, down to the time, down to the tea, down to the ounce and the gram. That's is my happy place. (laughs) Um, Being able to get as shredded as possible while being able to maintain your size. That's not easy, but it's challenging. And like I said, I like to challenge myself, homie. If I can keep, if I can keep the same thickness and same level of density, but sitting at three and a half percent body fat, which I got down to my last show, then then I then I did some then I'm then I'm doing it right. Um, I like I like to discipline myself. It sucks being hungry all the time when you're when you're in prep. But honestly, like when I said drugs laid the foundation of who I am now. It taught me that well, it didn't really teach me the amount of food <laughs> and the amount of sleep and the amount of water that I lost while doing drugs. I'm just making up for it now. Just putting more of that healthy stuff in me in me at the at a more efficient pace. When I'm in prep, I am eating six solid meals a day. I'm eating all the time, bro. What's wrong with that? Granted, it's not awesome food. It's it's chicken and rice and broccoli, but <laughs> I'm eating six times a day. You can't go wrong with that. The cardio sucks. Cardio sucks. <laughs> cardio sucks. I'm gonna say that five times. Cardio sucks. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quick though, because this is this is what's cool about it. I love to see that like you're you're challenging yourself, and I think that's an, another thing to, you know, to share with people is that it's okay to challenge yourself. It's okay to do hard things. Um, it's wild what can be accomplished if you do hard things. You know what I mean? In in any right. aspect. So for those who are listening, I'd encourage you guys to take notes on that. Corbin, you do hard things. You challenge yourself. This is the way that you you operate. Um, you like the prep. You like doing that stuff. The prep is hard, man. I've been around people doing doing prep and getting ready for shows. And I mean, it, it's not easy to maintain that strength. Now, I do want to add, like, maintain the size while you're cutting body fat. And, you know, it, that's hard. Uh, it, it's very hard. I want to ask you, you mentioned you went from 245 down to 175. At this particular point at the time of this recording, what is your weight sitting at right now? Do you feel pretty confident in what you've been able to put back on since you've been going hard into this and into your recovery process? So, um, I'll give you my final weight here in a sec of what I am sitting at currently, but from when I weighed 175 and doing six bodybuilding shows in the last two years, my weight has gone like this because of bulking prep, bulking prep, bulking prep. The heaviest I got in these last two years was two thirty. Six. So, um, how many? How much weight is that? That's like that's about fifty-five pounds. About fifty-five, yeah. fifty-nine pounds. So, um, the heaviest I got was two thirty-seven, two thirty-six, something like that. Um, this last show I got down to two oh four. Oh wow! Um, yeah, um, I was shredded. I was shredded, bro. Three and a half percent body fat at 205, 204, 205. Wild. 
it's pretty solid. Um, but now I'm sitting about 225, just just chilling right now. Um, I'm on off season. I'm not doing any bodybuilding shows until uh, fall of 2024. So I have about a year until I start prep. And that year, I'm going to take full advantage of trying to just bulk, get big, get, get to that 240 pound Corbin that I was in the past. Oh, wow, man. So for those who um, are into the weightlifting process, you're, you're planning to put on some size. What is, how do you, how are you going to do that? Is it the way that you lift? Is it volume lifting, high reps of like eight to 12 <sighs> reps? Like, you know, get, get into the nitty gritty real quick on how you can put on that size over the course of the next year. Food. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> how many calories? Like you say food, how many calories do you think you'd be consuming to, to get there? Um, so for, for the summer, um, I haven't been in any sort of bulking or I haven't, I've been enjoying my summer more or less. Um, I had my last bodybuilding show June 3rd. Um, my birthday, like you said, is next Sunday. Here's the next Monday. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Um, in the last eight years, eight birthdays, I have either had drugs, jail, bodybuilding prep, or even a bodybuilding show on my birthday. This is the first birthday in eight years that I'm actually going to be able to enjoy with none of that. <laughs> so I get to do whatever I want. I get to just chill. I get to, like, I plan on being an ultimate nerd, like the ultimate kid. I'm going to go find all the old school arcade. That's okay. So outside of bodybuilding and outside of drugs and outside of everything like that, you will find me behind my Nintendo or, or PlayStation or Xbox, bro. I'm a huge nerd. I love Pokemon. I love Mario. Uh, what else do I love? Dogs. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's like you, I, I'm all about that Mario lifestyle and just trying to find that ultimate inner kid all the time. Um, but yeah, um, during when I'm when I'm going to honestly, how do I want to say this? So to bulk up to the size that I want, it's going to take a lot of high repetition, low weight um, with a lot of food. Um I hired this new coach. His name's Victor Fong. Um, he, I feel like, is going to take me to the next level as far as I'm really, I'm actually kind of, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm anxious, in other words, because we're, we're going to start training together September 1st. So, like, in 10 days, a week, 11 days, something like that. Um, like I told him, just let me, just let me have the summer to myself. Just let me enjoy being a person. Let me enjoy nothing about bodybuilding. Just let me maintain whatever I'm doing. Just let me enjoy these few months to myself. And then we'll get back to work. I'm anxious to see what kind of protocol as far as food and um, cardio and supplementation he's going to put me on as far as how I'm going to achieve 20 pounds. Because my yeah. fasted body weight's about 220. I put about five to 10 pounds of water and food in my body a day. But um, I'm anxious to see what type of food and how he's going to do it because I just watching, watching, seeing how this man works. Um, yeah. I think we're going to, I think it's going to be good. So um, lots of red meat, lots of calories. I'm probably hitting anywhere from four to 6,000 calories today, a day right now. But when I'm working with him, I'm probably going to be going up to eight. And wow. that honestly is going to be the hardest part about this transition or about the bulking is the weight, the weights that, that, that I can do all day, every day. Um, cardio, I can do that all day, every day. Posing, I can do that all day, every day. But getting, getting the food, all six meals that you need to get in per day of all the food that you need to get in to get this lifestyle done. That's hard, dude. That's not easy. Sometimes you're just like, cool, I ate two hours ago. I'm not even hungry, but I have to put this in my stomach because I have to fuel the fuel with muscles. I mean, it's just yeah. You just, so you get a you know, glass of water, you take a bite, and just do that. Just force that, force it down. <laughs> oh man, that's it's crazy though. You know, Corbin, I was uh, I had a it was, a it was a speaker for I think his name was Dusty Ham Hamlin. 
I got to check. He, he actually was a bodybuilder who um, was sponsoring one of these brands. Anyway, when I worked at bodybuilding.com, he came and he was talking. And one of the things he talked to us about as a professional bodybuilder was the reason he loves bodybuilding so much was because it's one of the few things like your body composition is one of the very few things in life that you actually have full control over. Like if you want to make, if you want to add a certain amount of weight, you can do the math based on your metabolism and everything to figure out how many calories you need to get to that weight. If you want to cut weight, you can do the math to figure out how many calories you need to consume. What kind of th So your body composition is one of the few things you actually have full control over. It sucks. It's not easy, but you do have control over it if you have the discipline to do it. And what you're saying right there, like the eating, I've watched countless people like at lunches just be like, they're, they're miserable eating, but they're doing it because they have a goal to reach. And I think that's right. cool. It's challenging them. It's not, it's not anything, but it's just challenging them. And I think it's cool. It goes back to what you said. Everything is, is, is to challenge yourself. So as we wrap up the interview, I mean, I hope that people can hear like, and then you're, I love that you opened up about how you're still in recovery. You, you're still struggling. You had even an experience this last Saturday. Like, I mean, there's, it's always going to be testing you, but I hope they can see that there is a way out. So if you have a message to anybody who's battling addiction, I've got friends that I know specifically one who spent 10 years, 10 plus years in prison because of drug addiction, um, going in and out of the prison system. I've got another friend who is struggling. He's trying to go through recovery right now. I've got lots of friends struggling with this. And so I would love if you have any words of advice for those who are going through addiction, whether it's to get into bodybuilding or find another way out, what you can share with them having been through the process yourself. Do not be afraid to ask for help. That, that honestly is probably the biggest thing that you could probably keep yourself from doing is just going asking for a lending hand to help you get where, like, I mean, if you, if you, how do I want to say this? Like if you have a thimble, thimble, like little, little thimble size of light that you're trying to chase to get out and get out of it, just ask for help. You don't have to incorporate anything new into your lifestyle. You don't have to, I mean, yeah, us drug addicts, we replace one addiction with another, but it doesn't have to be bodybuilding. It doesn't have to be something that is going to take all your time out of thinking about drugs. You just have to find what you love and run with it. But don't be afraid to ask for help to get there because that's, you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Corbin, where can we find you, man? Where can we follow you so that we can see the rest of your journey as you continue on throughout this next year, bulking, getting ready for your next shows next year? Like, where can we follow you on social media? Well, what's, what's the handles for social? Um, Instagram is at beast two five, all one word. Um, and then my Facebook is just at Corbin Garn, uh, sorry, Corbin Richard. Ha. That, okay. The reason I laugh at that is because that's what it threw me off. I'm like, I've always known him as Corbin Garner. I had to ask him just so those who were, you know, listening to this, yeah. I had to ask him if you go by Corbin Garner or Corbin Richard, but okay. So I'll put those in the description. I'm going to link those here in the description of the podcast. So you guys who are listening can follow Corbin. I'd encourage you guys to do so follow him on his journey. It's kind of cool. I, that's how I've been able to keep up with what he's doing. He's, he's winning a lot of trophies of the ones behind you, Corbin, what's your favorite trophy that you've gotten so far and why? This bad boy, this big bad, I can't talk right now. This big bad boy, most inspirational trophy. Um, June 3rd was my last bodybuilding competition, like I said. Um, but it was also one of the best days of my life. Um, I went up there. So I had a bodybuilding show three weeks prior to that. And I went up there and didn't do as well as I wanted to do. I had a lot of nerves, just wasn't confident. And... I don't know what changed mentally, but something just switched and I was more at ease and more at home. And when I was getting ready to do my show here um, in Boise, I don't know what came over me, but I took a first place in one group. I got my second place medal. I got a third place in the biggest, the open, the open group, which I think I had like nine of us or something like that. And mind you, the last Idaho show I did, I took sixth place in open. So I jumped up three spots. Um, but before I went and competed in the open class, what happened was the, the lady who puts on the show, um, pretty much timeout. Let's bring Corbin on stage. So this is Corbin. He's uh, about two years into drug recovery. He's a meth addict. Well, recovering meth addict. And he's been doing bodybuilding shows. So she just did this five-minute speech about how 
I have come as far as I've come in two short years, how I've done six bodybuilding shows, how I've gotten off of drugs, how I've found myself, how I've got my life back, how just everything about me is just changing and better. And every day it's like a new day is a new better day. And I've just, I feel like I've come so far. And this big bad boy is definitely a representation of how far I've come. And it definitely touched my heart that they went out of their way to acknowledge that I'm that I'm not perfect you know that if you are struggling I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to go back five years from now until my until Corbin five years ago that hey everything's gonna be okay and he wouldn't have been below he wouldn't believe me he would not believe me so yeah that big bad boy the inspirational award um that was probably it was great Trying on stage for that was probably the most work. Like it, it was worth it. It was awesome. <laughs> yes, sir, man. That's so cool. I saw a post about it, but didn't actually hear the full story on it. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, happy bro. for you. And you're it, gonna you're gonna have more trophies coming your way, right? Like there's there's more coming. Yeah, down. there's a like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So here in here in a year, when I step back on stage, it's gonna be something fierce. It's gonna be something fun, something different. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. You're following. I'm excited for you to see. Um, just watch. And if you get a chance, everybody, um, if you do check out and you do scroll through my videos on either Instagram or Facebook, you will see the speech that um, Elaine Craig did at the bodybuilding show for me and kind of what she said and how she said it. And she did kind of talk about a little bit about how I talk about the dreams and everything that I've done to overcome the triggers and the temptations of getting high, too. So. It's pretty awesome. All right. Well, we'll all check it out. Like I said, I'll put the description to your social media um, here in the the description of the podcast. So I'll put the links there. And uh, listen, Corbin, I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to be doing, uh, wanting to do this podcast. It's been yeah, awesome chatting with you. And we'll be in touch later as well. But uh, for all who are listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If, if you guys could just do me one quick favor, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you thought about Corbin's interview and you know what inspired you most. That'd be helpful. That's the only thing I asked for. Just leave us a review. It's free. It takes 30 seconds. So I appreciate that. And uh, for all those who are you know tuning in, make sure you subscribe to the show because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.